Hi there, welcome to Victim to Victor, the podcast dedicated to empowering abuse survivors and inspiring healing, hope and positive change. I'm Anu Verma, a published author, and in every episode, I'll sit down with a guest and embark on an insightful conversation about trauma, as well as practical strategies to start the healing process. So let's get started. I hope you enjoy the show. And today is part three of our series on trauma. And I have with me pioneering medical physician, Dr. Sangeeta Sahi, who is the founder of Unified Human Foundation and Conscious Cancer Program. It's Dr. Sangeeta Sahi again on episode three of our series. Hello again, Dr. Sangeeta. How are you doing? I'm really, really well, Anu. Thank you and your listeners for having me back and for for their time and attention and your time and attention in in sharing, sharing my my knowledge and experience. Absolutely, yeah. And we've got a very exciting episode today. We're going to be looking at um, planetary trauma and humanity's role in this as well, and also how we can heal the earth. But we want to first go into um, just the fact that, you know, we know that trauma is a bridge between spiritual life and daily living, because this is a concept that you've just come up with. Please do explain that. Well, you know, Anu, that a lot of my work centers around the the kind of um, the, the alignment between spirituality and physicality yeah. and science. Um, so obviously science representing our physical lives and existence and spirituality representing yeah. that which is maybe more intangible. Mm-hmm. and okay. more non-materialistic. Yeah, absolutely. So there's always been this very interesting and controversial space where spirituality has been separated from science and from everyday life. Mm-hmm. And the, the concept that, you know, spirituality is all about non-materialism and therefore to be a spiritual person, you can't really be too involved in material life. And, yeah. you know, if you are, then you're not very spiritual. And I just want to, to clean that up and clear it up. It's not true. Okay. Spirituality is that part of our lives that we are not quite aware or conscious of. Mm-hmm. So, and physicality is obviously those part of our life which we are very conscious and aware of and we can touch, t- see, hear, smell, experience, you know, yeah. interact with. So, there's, imagine that there's this continuum, like continuum, continuum, of where we get very, very physical mm-hmm. and we can touch, hear, smell, everything. And then slowly, slowly, slowly in that continuum, it gets more and more and more subtle where things feel more and more energetic. They feel more and more like um, intangible, but you can still sense them, their Mm -hmm. vibes. And there's a sense there that there is something there, but you can't put your finger on it because you, you, you can't see it. Yeah. You, may, you may not be able to hear it. Some people can hear stuff, you know. And 
So it gets more and more, we go into the subtlety of material life. Yeah. It's still, con- it's all connected, but it's just more subtle. Yeah. Okay. And so therefore, because it's subtle, we can't feel it as directly as we can feel the sort of more dense material existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as you rightly pointed out, and this is something that, this is exactly how I focus my work with trauma, is within this incredible continuum lies this space of trauma. Yeah. Where trauma is literally the bridge between the, the spiritual, the subtle realms, and the physical And why is it like that? Why do I say that? I say that because um, it's like almost the, the, the block or the passage that we need to go through in order to get past the physical, get into more of the energetic and more subtle realms and take the, that energy and that emotion and that love yeah. and that healing and bring it back into the physical material. Interesting. Okay, absolutely. And I suppose that brings us on to um, you know, the youth and younger people who are getting a lot more in tune with their own spiritual um, growth and journeys, aren't well, they? I think the, the, the younger people are a little bit more empathic. Mm. So that means that actually they're more sensitive. So they pick up these things probably a little bit um, faster, let's yeah. say, and a little bit more directly than maybe older people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. The brains were a lot more faster. That's a generalization as well, though, because there are some <laughs> yeah, incredible, incredible, you know, older people. So I don't don't want to go into generalizations. But no. there is this this whole sense that, you know, the 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 sort of younger ones and and the younger ones I think feel this this kind of need almost to not get so directly involved with what's going on in the world. And I think that part of that relates back to, you know, why they're online so much and why they love technology so much because technology allows them to separate from directly from life and everything that's going on and relate to it in a, in a kind of, it's further away. So they don't have to relate to it, you know, full on, full on, literally. So there's that going on. And then I think what's really important for me that I've seen with them is what they tend to do is the only way that they can move past some of the things that they find unpleasant, whether it's memories or it's um, experiences or interactions, is they literally tell me... um, we, we need to move away from our parents. We need to move away from um, our inner family circles. Okay. And when we move away, then after a while, we can come back in again because okay. we know how to deal with life and we've had our own experiences. But yeah. if we're in it, then we, we, don't, we don't allow ourselves the space 
to to have our own experiences and our parents and our inner family circles constantly influence us yeah so we can't we can't do what we need to do and experience what we need to experience so we end up separating Mm -hmm. and then coming back later when we are ready and and it's a very interesting um it's an interesting way because the parents then also have space and time to be able to understand what is going on with their children who've moved away for a little while and separated from them. And they say, they always say, when we come back together, it's like we can talk to each other, we can communicate in a very different way than if we are constantly in each other's faces and fighting and, you know, um, going through stuff and... And sometimes, you know, especially I find when we were talking last time, Anu, about cultural trauma. Yeah. You know, I think with cultural trauma, maybe communicating is not always the best way. No. Because in many cultures, um, talking and discussing openly is not a very natural way of problem solving. No. Okay, in yeah. Western cultures, it is much more of a kind of, there's a little bit more openness and there's a little bit more yeah. of like, okay, there's, there's less, less guilt and shame around expressing your problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that in, in more sort of Eastern and Asian cultures and Middle Eastern cultures, it's not about confrontation because it's a non-confrontational culture. So it's more about like giving each other space and saying, okay, I think, you know what, I need to kind of just go off and be with my own group or give myself space. And you guys need to be in your own space. Yeah. And then you come back and it's different. Is, the whole, yeah. you know, time is allowed things to, to change and transform. So that's another way of healing. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Yeah, I think that's important. Yeah, so you're saying that, you know, space is important. Space and also time, time and space both together. They're very important. And in that time and space, it's not about passive healing. It's like literally the the two kind of groups or communities or beings are experiencing something different. And then they come back. So it's active. It's not passive experiencing. It's active experiencing. But coming back with a different mindset, with a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think is people's concept of trauma? I think it's really different for everybody. I think that there are definitely general things that people find traumatic and I think the most traumatic obviously is emotional trauma because again the emotions are the bridge between the mental and the physical okay so for most people they're going to be emotionally hurt and traumatized which will then lead on to maybe physical trauma but it may not be because it may be that they have emotional trauma and emotional um, unpleasantness, and that then goes into mental trauma because they have the memories held within the emotions and within the, the experiences 
that then creates a mental, emotional trauma. And then there are other people, of course, that have the emotional and the physical because there may be a lot mm. of physical abuse also connected up with emotional abuse. Okay. Ah, interesting, so, yeah. It's very interesting because I think, you know, generally speaking, I think we don't, we really don't, we're not aware of the extent on, to, to how much we affect each other. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, if you're living together, it doesn't matter what your relationship is, whether it's a husband or wife, whether it's parents and children, whether it's, you know, siblings or whatever it is, you're living together in the same space And you don't know, and we're not that sensitive or aware of how our, just how we, our personalities are. Yeah. And how that affects the other person. And therefore, what could, like I said to you in in, in our first session, what could be traumatic for somebody else could be nothing could yeah. be absolutely nothing for another person. And what could be absolute, you know, it could be the other way around. Absolutely. So these are, because we've all got different levels of tolerance as well. Yeah. And, you know, meters of pain and emotion and <clears throat> what creates something to be painful and what creates something to be, oh, that's okay. I just shirk that off. It's water off a duck's back. Doesn't really matter. Right. Yeah. We've all got our own personal meter for that and our own personal resilience. Yeah, we do. You know, so trauma and also trauma is different, I think, in different generations. Yeah. And um, last time we were going to go more into the layers of trauma. Well, it ties in with what I said about the continuum between the spiritual and the material, mm-hmm. because within that continuum, you've got the layers. Yeah. Let's say spirituality has got its own layers, because within the realms of the non-material, there are so many layers of subtlety. Oh, okay. And then you've got this whole continuum between the, the, the material and the non-material and all the things in between. So... Some traumas may be very shallow, very superficial, and therefore very, very easy to heal, to neutralize, to dissolve, to um, forget. Yeah. And others create patterns. And those patterns then get in between the layers of the memories and then they they stick and depending on how long that pattern has been repeated over and over again will depend on how long maybe or how easy or difficult it is for that to unstick first of all then to go into unfolding dissolving and finally disappearing okay yeah but there is definitely, you know, there's definitely a, a, a system in place mm-hmm. which goes from the emotional, and like I said, it can go into the mental layers and not touch the physical layers. Okay. And then there is other emotional that goes right from the physical and the mental because yeah. the mental is the memory. Okay. You know? 
Yeah, absolutely. Like I'll give you an example. I'll give you a very, a very simple example that I know okay. all your your listeners will relate to. Yeah. Women who give birth to yeah. babies. Now, actual childbirth is very, very traumatic. I'm yeah. sure you remember. <laughs> <clears throat> wow. And I've delivered many, many babies. Have you? Okay. And yes. And every, every mother tells me that they completely forget what it was like to have a baby to go through birthing they said Mm. if we remembered we would never do it again oh that's funny well but it's true and and we know that that's been recorded and verified scientifically that the body just forgets certain things which are natural because otherwise mm. you know you wouldn't you wouldn't have another baby you would the, the, the human species would have come to an end ages ago if if the cells remembered how painful childbirth is Absolutely. so there are lots and lots of traumas that we forget very easily and it's naturally encoded within us to forget them oh, okay it is, yeah. So, okay, let's go on to uh, planetary trauma. <clears throat> okay, so planetary trauma, why do I call it as trauma? Well, if you look at what's going on on the planet right now, mm-hmm. you look at the trees that we're chopping down. Yeah. You look at all the pollution that human activities are spreading. Mm -hmm. You look at all the waters that we are polluting with our human activities. Wouldn't you say that that was trauma that we are creating for the planet? Absolutely. Yeah. Self-inflicted. I mean, if you, if you actually go in and look at all the sea life mm. that we are destroying because of our own human activities yeah. and, and lifestyles. Mm-hmm. Did you know, Anu, that the seventh most polluting industry on our planet the seventh most polluting industry on our planet. Guess is what? I have no idea. Fashion. Ah. <gasps> oh, okay. So we, right from the beginning of the, the value chain of, of, of textiles, clothes, where they come from, yeah. right to the end of selling them, um, transporting them, distributing them, wearing them, washing Mm. them, and then dumping them. All of that is like from beginning to end, the seventh most polluting activity on this planet. And we are doing it directly, each one of us. Each one of us is responsible there's no one that can say, well, you know, I don't have any part in this. So it's really interesting when you look into 
how our behavior, our human behavior, affects our planet. Because mm. I'm definitely of the belief that whatever we do comes back to us in one form or another. And I mean this on an individual level as well as a collective level. Yeah. So if we look at planetary trauma, planetary trauma is a collective level of trauma. Okay. And almost like a collective karma. Our human activities um, have, over time, taken us to this space where now collectively we are experiencing climate change, we're experiencing you know, pollution, we're experiencing diseases that are affecting us, that are affecting the animals, that are affecting our livelihoods, that are affecting everything. Wow. So it comes back to us because we are responsible. So if we are responsible, we're responsible for creating this trauma. Yeah. You know, if we look at it that way and... I think it just takes for us as individuals to be just a little bit more mindful. Okay. Hmm. And if we, each one of us can be that mindful, then we can create collective change in a very short span of time. I mean, how can we stop this though? I mean, we can't stop wearing clothes. No, but... There's all sorts of things that co uh, communities are doing now. It's so interesting, actually. There are, there are many things that we're experimenting with, ways. So yeah. instead, of, instead of throwing clothes away, there's obviously recycling. Yeah. Then there's upcycling. Up that lots of designers are getting involved in and experimenting with now is like mm. literally taking old clothes mm. and reconstituting them, um, tearing them up, cutting them so and sewing different things together yeah. from different mm. clothes That's good and idea. creating a completely new outfit. Outfit. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then there's um, wonderful uh, communities that have come up around friends getting mm -hmm. together and saying, okay, like Anu's got a whole load of clothes that, sh that are in good, good nick, good condition yeah. that she doesn't really wear anymore. And she doesn't think she's going to wear them because maybe they don't fit her anymore. Or maybe she's, that's not her style anymore. Mm -hmm. And she's got five other friends who've got similar things with their clothes yeah. And they all get together, have a party, and they all exchange clothes with each other. Okay. Absolutely yeah. free. So it's, it's creating the bonding and the friendship and the socializing aspect. Yeah. As well as, you know, you, you get to wear new clothes. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, you yeah, to experiment and, and it's free. You don't even have to pay for it. So exactly. there are lots of things actually that people are doing. Um, lots good. of experiments mm. that are going on. And of course, then there's also um, the, the rental market because now a lot of designers have gone into rentals and they're saying, well, okay, we've got um, beautiful clothes from our old um, collections that don't need to be thrown away or whatever, but can be 
um, rented out to people. Yeah. So there are rental closets and websites for that. So there's a lot of things going on regarding fashion. And of course, the same thing with jewelry. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. So there are ways to change, but obviously when it comes to chopping down trees and what can we do with that? I suppose we're using less paper anyway now. Everything's all online. I think we can just plant more trees. That's an easy way. Mm -hmm. And we can also, I think, definitely make governments aware that we care and this is very important because governments only are only good for the votes that they get from people. Right. So if they know that people do not want this and they're against this policy, one of one of the biggest, you know, examples is the Amazon rainforest. Yeah. Where so much is being destroyed, so many really ancient old plants and trees and all sorts of things and biodiversity because it's the one of the most biodiverse places on this planet and it's being destroyed at a very very fast pace so there's lots of uh, you know demonstrations about that the reason that i felt it was very important to bring up planetary trauma in this series anu is because i want people to be aware that it affects each one of us directly it's not something that's far away it's not something that is is something that doesn't affect you or me or it affects somebody living in Bangladesh Mm. or somebody living in in Sri Lanka or somebody living in Indonesia. It's it. We know that. See, theoretically, we know because we've had floods in the UK. Yeah. We've had climate changes. We've had all sorts of things happening and we've Mm. got many, many communities waking up and actually taking action and saying, no, we need to take responsibility. And they're getting together and companies, you know, sustainability, companies focusing on sustainability issues. Um, And one of the most interesting is the younger people because they seem to be programmed and encoded with caring about the planet naturally. Oh, okay. So for them, climate change and, and taking care of the planet mm. is a no-brainer. It's second nature. It really, it's part of who they are. Yeah. It's not something that they need to be educated about. Okay. And that's what I see that is really interesting because when I talk to them about planetary trauma and about the foundation the Unified Human Foundation that that I founded in in the UK and in the US, they're all like, oh my God, how can I volunteer? What are you doing? What are the projects? What do they involve? This is so interesting. This is so exciting. Mm -hmm. And I want to be a part of this. How can I be a part of it? They're just just excited about nature. They're excited about, you know, biodiversity. They're excited about the oceans. Brilliant. That's good, yeah. So, so yeah, obviously that, that's down to good schooling, right? Well, I don't think so, honestly. I think it's down to nature at the end of the day. I think every generation is different. Mm-hmm. And I think that every generation has got its own sets of contributions that it's come here to make to the planet. 
and to life on earth. Okay. Yeah. So I think, and, and I want to also bring in when I've facilitated volunteer groups in nature with the, some of the projects that we, we um, sponsor and we, we support trauma doesn't exist anymore. Wow. Because nature is the greatest healer. We know that. You go into nature, you do a retreat, you just breathe. You go into green space, you you just feel happy for no reason. Strange. Well, think about it. I mean, like, when the sun comes out, Mm. what do you feel? Oh, my God, it's feel good, right? Instantly. Why do we spend so much money running away to places that are warm and sunny? Yeah. Wow. It makes us smile. Even me saying, talking about the sun is making you smile. It is, yeah. But then I just think, well, it, it doesn't dilute the fact that, you know, we've, all, we've had trauma in our lives. It doesn't dilute the fact, but it definitely takes our attention away from it. Yeah, it does. It puts our attention somewhere else, mm-hmm. and it allows us to have the opportunity to do something more fulfilling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we start engaging with something that is more purposeful and fulfilling, the traumas, the effect of the trauma gets less and less and less. It, get, it decreases in, in intensity. Okay. So basically fulfillment will heal trauma eventually. Fulfillment will, that's the end result. Yeah. And one of the steps of doing that, which people know because they've done it over and over again, helping other people yeah. heals trauma. It does. It so does, yeah. So that is its own fulfillment. It is, yeah contribution giving back and just you know serving the higher good well serving the higher good within ourselves yeah Mm -hmm. you know we forget that we always think that the higher good is outside yeah and we 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 need to really know that okay that is also inside us because what is outside is connected inside there's no separation and that's this whole thing that I was talking about, you know, the, the physical and the spiritual. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, healing the earth will heal us. It does. Mm. Because the earth nurtures us. Where does our food come from? The earth. Is that not sustaining us? Absolutely, yeah. So if we support her, all she's going to do is support us back over yeah. and over again. Mm-hmm. So what's the one thing that my listeners can start to do as of today? I'll tell you what they can do. And this is going to sound really funny, but I'll tell you so many people that I know. I, it's fabulous what's happening, actually. In inner London mm-hmm. means like um, in, in, in the borough of Tower Hamlets. And in the borough of Haringey, these are like really inner city London areas where, you know, they're they're poorer, there's lower socioeconomic 
um, places. But there are surgeries now, doctors' practices, which I'm so thrilled about, yeah. that have actually got little gardens on the back in the back of the surgery, in the back back of the practice, where they you know where they tell their patients, what, obviously in good weather, go sit outside. Don't wait in the waiting room. Go sit outside. Get yourself some air. Get yourself some sunshine. Get yourself some nature. They've got like herb gardens and kitchen gardens where they're oh. growing things in surgical in surgeries. I mean, and this is what used to be with the countryside and the, and the rural areas. Wow, people yeah. people didn't have so many mental health issues yeah. because. They were living in nature. And you ask anybody who lives by the sea or mm. lives in, in, in the Lake District or lives in, they, they're like, you know, we're too busy. We're, we're too engaged in life mm. to, be, to be thinking so much about what somebody said and what somebody did and like going on and on. And not to minimize trauma. No, not at all. But definitely when you get involved in a community, you feed the community, the community feeds you back. Okay. And the community always involves nature. So I've got, mm. in, in London where I live, I've got a forest. Part of Epping Forest is close to me. Okay. I'm very, very blessed in that way and very grateful. Because during lockdown, we could just go and take a walk in the forest. And it was amazing how the mood just changes and I saw people this was wonderful these are Londoners hugging trees and you think it's funny but it's real <laughs> that's cute that's cute in, I'll tell you something else in 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 Japan Anu they have forests they use forest bathing as a form of therapy Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's a legitimate form of, of therapy for okay. mental health, for depression, for, you know, people who have got suicidal tendencies. Right. They, they, they have groups and they take them, therapists take them out into the forest where they literally lie on the forest floor. And they allow the earth's energies and the trees and everything around them to just come into their space. And they immerse themselves mm -hmm. in these environments and surroundings. That's beautiful. Yeah. So with a lot of this talk now about lockdown and about staying at home, it's going to be difficult for people to get out, especially in the winter months. I know, but I think, I think actually on some level it's not that difficult. I think the weather isn't that bad. No. I know it gets cold as we go into January and February, but mm. when the weather isn't that bad, I would really urge people to go out for a walk, even if it's just for 20 minutes. Really? That makes a world of difference. It makes a world of difference to their bodies. Forget about just their, their mental health and their moods yeah. but their bodies the lungs start breathing differently because you start breathing differently when you go for a walk yeah. you will find that if you're if you're mindful Anu you can watch yourself sitting 
and how you breathe while you're watching TV yeah. versus how you breathe when you go out for a walk. Okay. Yeah, and it's, a, it's, it's, it's very interesting as well. I would, I would recommend to your listeners and encourage them to actually do a, a few experiments of their own. Like they can become aware of how they breathe while they watch TV, how they breathe while they go walking and they go out shopping, and how they breathe when they go out for a walk. Okay. It'll be different each time. And that would be quite a quite um, a good little task to do, something to practice. So, yeah, definitely just watch your breathing and just feel the breath go in and out and just uh, compare that to when you go for a walk, for example. And I suppose, um, you know, a, a big um, indicator is, you know, when you're a bit stressed out and you start to breathe shallow and... You know, you're not really breathing in enough oxygen and then that creates more anxiety and stress. So this is why it's so important in times of heightened anxiety to just really slow down the breath. And they say to um, spend more time breathing in than actually breathing out as well. So that's a good tactic. Yes, it is. Uh, because you obviously breathe in more oxygen and life force, etc. Yeah. But you know that the breath is actually how we can directly release traumatic thoughts. And literally with the breath, let them go. Let them go. And one of the other important things about breathing consciously is that we slow down our thoughts and our brains. Okay. The greatest um, trigger of anxiety okay. is overthinking. Oh. Interesting, yeah. We're just constantly in the loop of thinking, 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 thinking. Mm. And if you focus on your breathing, then you think you don't focus on your thoughts. You focus on your breath. Right. So you slow down. It's about slowing down, yeah. And this is a perfect time, winter. And <laughs> if we're going to be under lockdown, to have an opportunity to practice slowing down. Okay. Yes. It is. I think it's a good opportunity as well to slow down. And it, now it will also be a good opportunity for you to talk about Unified Human Foundation and all of the projects that you're involved in at the moment. Well, Unified Human Foundation, um, it's a charity and a non-profit. And we basically, we select projects and initiatives that we want to support and they need to support and unify human beings with nature. And then through the projects, people also interact, unite, collaborate, and learn and experience. But the, the focus 
is on nature and the planet rather than on the human. Okay. Mm. And this is our, our, our mission is to be able to get people to think more about the planet and nature. And, as, and, and get more creative about the ways that we interact with her and the effects that it has on nature and the planet and on ourselves and our communities. Fantastic. I've worked with many indigenous people and indigenous cultures and the amount of experience and wisdom that they have without going to school, without being in classrooms. Yeah. It's just, it's incredible. It's, it's something indescribable. It's something that only if you experience, you can understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. They understand the planet. They understand seasons. They understand plants, animals. They understand our relationship with each other. Okay. <clears throat> and some of these communities have got access to incredible historical knowledge and data about humanity and civilizations. So that's knowledge that technology isn't really acknowledging. And it's, it's knowledge and it's direct experience that is missing. It's missing from our communities. It's missing from our lives. So we, with, with us at Unified Human Foundation, with, the, with our boards and trustees and our team leaders and project leaders, we felt this great need to reconnect people with nature, and also this need to help and support leaders to come forward and become stewards, genuine, authentic stewards of, of this planet that we call home. Right. So that's it. But we're a curator. Um, and we've got one of the things that we put out there is we have an educational platform and some of the projects that we have a project right now in India, in South India, in Kerala, where we are supporting uh, tribal housing, eco-friendly housing for tribal populations, nice. as well as the cultivation of medicinal plants. Okay. Oh, so that's one project. Then we have another project that we're supporting in Lebanon, which is the regeneration and um, cultivation and preservation of the ancient and sacred cedar trees. The cedar trees have a wonderful history, the Lebanon cedar trees, because they were the original cedars that were made to, uh, that were used to make King Solomon's temple. Okay. So that is a very um, sacred yeah. uh, part of Judaic and Middle Eastern history. 
Okay. Um, that's the second project. The third project that we're supporting, which is in in is the the US board, is Wild Coast. Wild Coast is an NGO. We we support most of our projects are connected up with existing NGOs in different countries. So we've got the NGO in Kerala, we've got the NGO in Lebanon, we've got the NGO in in the US, mm-hmm. and they are cultivating mangroves on the coastline of between Mexico and San Diego, which was originally um, tribal land, Native American tribal land, that coastline. And so they are cultivating mangroves, and mangroves are very well known to enhance um, oxygen and enhance the algae and and the um, the sea life in that area to regenerate mm. it, um, and obviously uh, the carbon di- neutralized carbon dioxide. So these are the three projects we've curated so far, and each one has got a community and a system where you can volunteer. So if anybody's interested in volunteering, um, we can guarantee security, health, safety. Mm. Right now, obviously, it's a little bit um, it's a little bit fluid because of what's going on with COVID. So pre-COVID, there were there were many volunteers, and these volunteers just love it. We've got volunteers from different parts of the states volunteering with the mangrove project and. They just love it. There are exchange programs going on. The tribal children come in and they tell their stories of the tribes and the lands. It's it's a wonderful program. And same thing with, with the HRDS tribal project in India, South India. It's, again, a completely different world, completely green, green, green. So... Uh, please do have a look. I, w- I would encourage your listeners to have a look at the website, unifiedhuman.org. Yeah. I would also encourage your listeners to have a look at my website, my professional website, which is genuinehumanbeing.com. Okay. And I guess I'm assuming that our next episode will be the last one for, for this year. And there's something special that I'd like to talk about family trauma. Okay. Because it's post Christmas, yeah. Okay, and I think we, if we can just have a space to talk about that. But what I would also really invite your listeners to do is maybe mm. send in some questions, okay, and send in maybe some of their experiences that they've had with their families during Christmas. Sure. Okay. Or any time, actually. Yeah, absolutely. So that would be great. Okay, so. Um, before that, um, listeners, if you do have any questions for us, um, then please do uh, contact myself or Dr. Sangeeta. So you can contact me via my social media channels um, or website or um, Dr. Sangeeta as well. She's on all the social media channels. She's on Instagram as well. And I will be including the link um, for her websites, LinkedIn and Instagram, as well as YouTube. I'll be including that in the description box. So please do get in touch with us. 
And we do hope that you enjoyed the third series on planetary trauma and how to heal the earth, because as we know, by healing the earth, we'll heal us. And with the planet undergoing all this trauma, it's experiencing, we are the ones that are suffering, each and every one of us. So we do need to work collectively here and to be mindful and to look out for each other as well as our beautiful earth. So thank you again, Dr. Sangeeta, for an um, amazing episode. Thank you. And I just want to wish all your listeners and yourself a really, really happy Christmas and a lovely holiday season. And um, stay well, keep well, eat well, and enjoy. Absolutely. And until the next episode, you stay safe, my friends, and we shall be back. Take care. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Victim to Victor. Subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes and be sure to follow the podcast on socials to keep updated on what's next and share Victim to Victor with family and friends to help grow the community and spread the positive healing energy. 